Tennessee football currently has a top five recruiting class in the country. Will it stay that way all the way until December? And which is more likely, 9-3 this season or 9-3 next season? All that and more, your Twitter Tuesday questions here on this mailbag edition of Locked on Balls. You are Locked on Balls, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody, and welcome into it. This is Locked On Vols, your go-to Tennessee Volunteers podcast each and every day. It's your first watch, your first listen, and it's on YouTube, wherever you find your podcast. I'm your host, Eric Kane. You can find this podcast always at underscore Kaner and at Locked On Vols. And today is brought to you in part by LinkedIn. I want to thank LinkedIn for being the official college football recruiting sponsor across the Locked On College Network. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Terms and conditions do apply. We've got tons of questions that you guys have submitted at underscore Kaner at Locked On Vols and on my Facebook page at Kaner On Air. A lot of recruiting, a lot of football. Uh, just a lot of questions to get into, so we're going to spend segments one and two answering those, and then we're going to get back into our starter spotlight. We're going to go to safety. I, I know you guys are, or I'm going to give myself a little bit of a cop-out here because, again, the cornerbacks are the big question marks in the star position, so we're going to go to safety, and we're going to go to one of those veteran safeties today and discuss uh, Jalen McCullough for starter spotlight. So all that coming up today here on Locked On Balls, and again, guys, can't thank you enough for making Locked On Balls your first listen each and every day. So without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into the questions. We will start on the YouTube page where someone uh, requested a comment on the uh, the YouTube section. That was Brent Fisher. Uh, Kaner, we've seen the ebbs and flows of great recruiting in year number two of head coaches at UT over the years. Butch and Pruitt specifically had fantastic year twos in the summer. Of course, a lot of those with Pruitt happened in the COVID and never COVID year and never really honored the commitment. This just feels totally different. These are really, really high quality four and five star guys mixed in both offensively and defensively. Do you think when it's all said and done that this will be the best class for UT in the past 10 years? Love your pods and uh, everything you do. Appreciate that, Brent. Thank you so much. I see you on the comment section just about every day. Uh, really, really does mean a lot. All right, so I went ahead and mapped it out, and of course, we're using rivals here on the show. And I mapped out what Tennessee's uh, concluding recruiting ranking was each of the last 10 years. Uh, right now, Tennessee sits fifth in the country, long way to go. In 2022 cycle, Tennessee finished 13, so fringe top 10. And I recognize, you know, maybe 247 had Tennessee in the top 10, or on three had Tennessee maybe at 11, or ESPN, or whatever. These are just the rival rankings. Uh, 2021 cycle had Tennessee finishing 35, but remember that's that um, that's that run you talked about with Pruitts uh, in year two or in year three, I guess it was. But so many of those guys came off the board, and then there was a coaching change in a COVID year where Tennessee finished three and seven. So that's a little bit of an anomaly. But the Tennessee finished 35th in the recruiting rankings uh, then. Plus, a lot of those guys that signed asked for ask out of their letters of. Uh, intent. So a uh, little bit of a weird year. 2020, it was eighth in the country. 2019, it was 13th. 2018, it was 20th. 2017 and 16, Tennessee finished 15th in the country. 2015 and 2014, under Butch Jones, Tennessee finished fifth in the country. Uh, 2013, it finished 21st. And 2012, it finished 27th. So as you can see, there were a couple of years that were really prosperous for the University of Tennessee, specifically 2013 or 2015 and 2014, where Tennessee finished fifth 
uh, in the in the uh, in results of recruiting, and those were some really really good years under Butch Jones. Evan Barry was in one of those class. I believe he was in the 2014 class. Uh, you had Alvin Kamara, who was in the 2015 class. Khalil McKenzie was in the 2015 class. You had Drew Richmond, who was in the 2015 class. All those guys are five star prospects uh, that I'm out, that I'm rattling off right there. Jalen Hur was in one of those classes. So uh, in terms of you know, will this be the best recruiting class in the last 10 years? I'm not ready to say that, guys. Um, and again, someone's going to ask about this later on uh, in, in the show, and I'll kind of touch base on it again when we get there. But I think this class will be a top 10 class. It might be 9, it might be 10, but I think it'll be somewhere around there. Um, it's got 18 commits right now, which is really solid. It's obviously got a five-star quarterback. It's got seven really productive four-stars, highly rated four-stars. Um, and they've got some really highly rated three stars that could turn into four stars whenever things cycle back up here in a couple of months. So we'll see. This is a really solid class. Uh, but in terms of some of those uh, classes, 2015, 14 specifically, uh, some of those Butch Jones years, and 2013 under Jeremy Pruitt was really, really good. Uh, or excuse me, 2019 under Jeremy Pruitt was really, really good, and it finished 13th. And 2020 was a top 10 class. So um, I'm not ready to say that it's going to be one of the better ones in the last 10 years, but uh, it has the making to be a really, really solid class. I, I will go ahead uh, and say that for sure. Uh, we'll go ahead and move on to uh, the DMs here on Twitter. And um, we'll check in with Kurt. Kurt wants to know, what's the best run of recruiting you've seen at Tennessee, whether it's been a weekend run like Heupel just had or overall class? Uh, that was tremendous. Uh, talked about some of those classes, and again, I wasn't covering recruiting, and I really wasn't even in the media back then when Butch Jones uh, was here on Tennessee. My first year in terms of the quote-unquote media, my first year at the radio station was the 2017 season. I was fresh out of graduate school and I didn't have a clue what was going on, and boy, that coaching surge. I mean, I was like three months on the job. I wasn't even really ready for it, but uh, nonetheless, uh, I didn't see a lot of those classes, but I will say this. That class for uh, Jeremy Pruitt in 2021, that is the best run that I've seen so far for Tennessee, and let me explain it to you. That class ended up finishing 35th in the country. At the time, I want to say it finished like 20th maybe 21st because there were you know that was the year it was a COVID year Tennessee played 10 games Tennessee went three and seven uh, by the time the season was uh, coming to a close uh, towards the offseason obviously or by the time Tennessee's coming season was coming to a close they finished up the three and seven record by the time Tennessee got back for semester number two Jeremy Pruitt was fired so about four to five of those guys who actually signed their national letter of intent uh, got out of it and so that affected the rankings a lot of those players decommitted who were a part of of the class before it reached National Signing Day just because of the uh, unfortunate season that was. But in the month of April and May, if you guys remember, Tennessee went through a run to where it was getting two, three, four at a time in terms of a week. And, you know, not just prospects. I mean, highly rated four stars, really, really good, solid four stars. Uh, the spring of the COVID year in 2020, like 20, that for the class of 2021, uh, was really, really good. So I'll say the spring months, April and May, the best recruiting run I've seen from Tennessee so far. But the one Hypel just got off of, really this whole month of July has been really, really good. We'll go on to Tennessee Dad. Uh, hopefully it gets covered, this uh, this question I'm about to ask. We have a lot of developed talent on the roster this year, more God-given talent coming in next year. So are we more likely to go 9-3 and three this year or next year? I think we could be just as good next year. Yeah, that's the hope, man. You hope that even with the young guys coming in this year, some of those young edge rushers, some of these young receivers, uh, some of these young you know, offensive and defensive linemen, you hope that they can continue to get some playing time and get developed. That way that they can step up to the to the plate, you know, no pun intended, 
uh, so that whenever guys like Hendon Hooker step aside, guys like Byron Young, guys like Cedric Tillman, your two veteran safeties, uh, guys who are big parts of your football team who won't be here in the season of 2023, those young guys will have been developed by then to where they can kind of carry the torch. That's the thing about college football is you kind of go through cycles, right? Because you only have four to five years, sometimes three years if you're really, really good uh, to take advantage of these uh, student athletes. So I almost want to say this year you have a better chance, and that does not mean that I think Tennessee is going to struggle in 2023, but let's be real here. You're going to be having a new quarterback. Hendon Hooker will not be your quarterback. Will it be a true freshman in Nico Imaliava? Will it be a second-year player in Taven Jackson? Will it be a six-year player in Joe Milton who is still stuck around? I don't know. I can't answer that right now. You won't have Cedric Tillman. What will that receiver room look like? Can Brew McCoy and Jalen Hyatt step up to be who we think they are by then? We'll have to see. That linebacker room will have turned over. No more Jeremy Banks. No more Aaron Beasley. No more Solon Page, no more Joan Mitchell. I want to say this year, I really, really do, but that doesn't mean that I think Tennessee's just going to suck in 2023. I hope you guys know where I'm coming from there. So that's a really interesting question, really, really good question from Tennessee Dad. Uh, we'll continue on here, just a couple more here in segment number one, then we'll hit the reset. Uh, let's go to Kay, or let's go to Danny. Uh, Danny wants to know, are there any recruits we should keep an eye on for uh, soon-to-be commitments? Well, Lucas Simmons, of course, earlier on Monday at 1 o'clock Eastern time, chose the Knowles of Florida State over Tennessee. Uh, felt like that was coming. That's unfortunate because Tennessee really likes him as an offensive tackle, so uh, he's off the board now. That makes Stanton Rommel that much more of a priority, the offensive tackle from Alabama. He has not announced a commitment day just yet, but feel like it's going to be soon, maybe in the next week or so. So uh, Stanton Rommel, the offensive tackle, is an absolute priority for Tennessee. And then Tennessee needs to continue to try to reel in the wide receiver, Nathan Laycock, who I feel like has been uh, really sitting pretty with the volunteers for quite some time. I'm going to be honest with you, I've been on commitment watch with him for a while, but I believe he's going to be pushing it back towards the middle of the month. So again, uh, that can be in the next you know week to 10 days as well. But Stanton Rommel and Nathan Laycock, offensive tackle and wide receiver, would be the next two that will come off the board, in my opinion, as of now. But you guys know, <laughs> recruiting, it can change by the day. And then we'll finish up here with Kay Wayne. Uh, Kay Wayne reached out to me and asked me this earlier on a Monday. I was listening at John and Jimmy, and I think it was Friday. They had ESPN's Craig uh, Hypert on. As I know, I'm probably mispronouncing his name. I apologize. Uh, he's a recruiting expert for ESPN. Uh, he stated that Will Stallings has now made the switch from running back to linebacker for a senior season because that's when he, uh, because that's what he plans to play in college. Vince questioned him on it, but he, uh, but he, but he, persi but, he, but he persisted with it. Everything I've heard is that Tennessee is recruiting him to play running back, and that he would at least start at running back. Uh, has something changed over the last two weeks or so, or is this a guy, or was this guy just mistaken? Really, really good question. Let's hear that. I went and pulled that audio. This is what Kay Wayne is talking about from Sports Talk last Friday, a couple days ago, uh, with Jimmy Himes and Vince Ferrara with ESPN recruiting analyst uh, Chris Hypert. Again, I'm botching his name. I do Craig Hypert. I do apologize, but this is what Kay Wayne is talking about right here. Had a chance to. Uh get out to Bishop Gorman, uh, did a pro day there just for that school alone because they got so many prospects. And I think Will Stallings, another guy, uh, made the transition from running back to linebacker. And I think that's a good fit for him. He kind of played running back like a linebacker. Uh, he's a real physical presence. I think he's a guy who's continuing to kind of grow into his own. So there are two guys there that we would kind of put in the quote-unquote high three-star range that I think are really good pickups. But like I said, T-Lander is a guy that we need to take another look at again as potential four-star. 
So you, you think for Tennessee and in college, Stallings pro- projects more as a linebacker than a, a running back? Yeah, yeah, that's uh, my understanding. That's what he's going to play. I know that's the move that he made uh, over there at Gorman as well. And I think uh, I think just he's he's explosive and he's physical. I just don't you know, I don't know if he ran like a uh, you know a laser to laser you know four six a little high four six, which is really good. I mean, again, that's not hand time. That's laser. So I certainly think he's capable of playing running back. But I think his long term best fit is there at linebacker. Yeah, he's absolutely right in terms of Vince was Vince was following up and he was persistent with it. I have checked into this, and again, as far as I know, from I've spoken to two people on this matter, uh, they cover recruiting just like I do. Uh, one's a colleague of mine, someone else is from another publication that covers recruiting like I do. Um, to my knowledge, he's playing running back here at Tennessee. Uh, I have not heard anything different. Now, he is six foot one, two hundred and twenty-three pounds. And uh, he runs a, a four six, a high four six. He's not the fastest guy in the world. Could he play linebacker? Sure. Is he going to play linebacker at Bishop Gorman as well? I don't know. Could he eventually end up at linebacker? He could. Uh, he's not again. He's not a burner. But as far as I know, and as far as everybody that I've checked with, he is coming to Tennessee to play running back. So we'll track this. Um, we'll continue to track this. Um, good, good observation, K. Wayne. But that's all I know right now. Things can always change, but we will have to see, especially as he continues his senior season. He very well may play linebacker for Bishop Gorman this year and running back, but I think he's coming to Tennessee to be a running back. But, again, things can always change. Uh, we'll get into some more Twitter Tuesday for this mailbag edition of Locked On Vols. But first, I'll remind you guys about LinkedIn Jobs. As the sun comes out and small businesses are getting back into business, LinkedIn Jobs makes it easier to grow your team. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the people you want to interview faster and for free. Create a job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Then add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help find you the right people to hire. Simple tools like screening options make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know every single week, nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. We'll go back into segment number two of a Twitter Tuesday show, a mailbag edition of Locked On Balls, where we answer your questions each and every week. I'm your host, Eric Kane. Thanks so much for making Locked On Balls your first listen. We continue on now with Becky. Becky asks, do you have a feel for how many of the current commits are planning on enrolling early? A yeah, good question. We never really kind of know this early into it, but I know the majority of the class will enroll early. That's just kind of the norm uh, nowadays. I mean, really for Tennessee in the class of 2022, only about six or s- I want to say 
all but six to seven uh, reported for the spring semester because again you get a head start on everything you know academics you're standing on the team strength and conditioning all that type of stuff I mean Nico Iamaliava will be here as an early enrollee I can promise you that Ethan Davis will be here the four-star tied in I would imagine Aiden Bustle the offensive lineman will be here Caleb Herring I would imagine will be here um, you know, Nathan Robinson, I'd imagine, would be here. Trevor Duncan, who attends Knoxville Catholic, probably will not be here. Uh, Knoxville Catholic has kind of a rule to where you can't really graduate early. I remember that being the case with Cooper Mays. Um, you know, but those are some off the top of my head that I feel like will be here. But typically, again, uh, pretty much it's almost the norm. Not everybody, but it's almost the norm that you will uh, arrive early. So I would say the majority of this class will uh, who end up signing with the University of Tennessee. Uh, we'll go on now to Braden with the big three commitments from this weekend. Who would you compare each of them to? Okay, I am really bad at the comparison games. I am not even going to lie to you. I'm not going to try to act like I'm smart. And I gave this, I mean, I gave this some thought, don't get me wrong, but I am horrible at comparisons. So just putting this out here. And I tried to compare them to guys on Tennessee's team or in recent memory. So I didn't go NFL. I didn't go around the SEC. I tried to keep it localized a little bit, okay? Um, so for Shandavion Bradley, I would say kind of a James Pierce, uh, you know, tall guy, stature, room to put on a lot of weights, just raw athletic ability, really, really strong. Uh, Shandavion's way more, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Maybe has a lot more finesse than James Pierce does, but just from a raw athletic talent ability, those two guys and, and play the same position, of course, uh, I think they kind of go hand in hand. We'll go Jalen Smith. And here's a comparison, and I know some of you guys might not like this, but hear me out. Aaron Beasley. I think Jalen Smith can be better than Aaron Beasley. And again, I'm not trying to crap all over Aaron Beasley here. I know I know it's what it sounds like when I did the starter spotlight and what I'm saying right now. But I think Jalen Smith has more talent than Aaron Beasley. But in terms of smaller, undersized linebackers, but guys who can move, guys that can run sideline to sideline, guys who can cover a whole lot of ground, and guys who are kind of tackle machines, and that's kind of what you are playing in the middle of the defense. So that's what I view kind of Jalen Smith there, but I think Jalen Smith has a much higher upside and a higher ceiling than that of Aaron Beasley. And then finally, uh, Sham Umorov, um, maybe a Marcus Tatum. Tatum was very undersized coming to Tennessee. Now, Sham is not necessarily that, but you know, Sham is six foot six, about... 310. I think Marcus Tatum was about six foot four, six foot five, about 270 when he got to Tennessee. He had to pack it on to get over 300 pounds, and that's something he struggled with throughout his entire Tennessee career. But in terms of just being really, really athletic, having good feats, um, and, and just really raw at the position, but has a, having a lot of talent, a lot of room to put on weight, I guess is what I'm trying to say, in both of those guys' frames. And that's kind of how I see the comparison there. So um, I know that was really probably bad. <laughs> I apologize. But again, like I said, I am not good with comparisons. So if you guys have anything better, please, uh, the floor is yours. Underscore can or locked on vaults and check in those comment sections. All right, we will go to Trevor. Trevor asks, I think we've touched on this before, but I don't remember 100%. Was it a good thing that we lost so many players going into last season after getting picked apart? Uh, the ex by the transfer portal, the expectations were low for this team, but we exceeded those expectations. How do you see last season turning out if those players stayed to play for the current coaching staff? Would it have hurt team chemistry from last year? Um, Who's to know, right? We, we, we don't ever know because they weren't here. Who's to say if they were here, they wouldn't have added to it? I'll say this. Anytime you're picked apart by the transfer portal, that's not typically a good thing. Remember, we always harp on depth on this show. Tennessee had no depth uh, whatsoever. At wide receiver because they only played three guys, no one else is ready to go. 
uh, really four guys. Uh, they had no depth at linebacker. <laughs> they didn't have much depth in the secondary. Uh, points and times, they didn't have a whole lot of depth on the defensive line. But uh, ultimately, you know what I'm trying to say. I, like, I think guys like Eric Gray would have fit in perfectly in this offense. Uh, Henry Tuoltuo would have obviously played a linebacker. Okay, you know he's a good player. What about guys like Coveris Crouch? Would he have really? He was not a good linebacker when he was here at Tennessee. Uh, and the SEC, it's kind of going away from the ground and pound. Um, you're having to run and cover a lot of space. Would he have been the best linebacker fit uh, in the system? I don't know. Who's to know? I mean, he's a, he's a really, really good athlete, but I don't know. So in terms of – it's still not a good thing that those guys left because of depth purposes where I think you could have won a couple more games last year if you had some depth. Um, I, I do think that you know the, gr- the group that stayed here uh, and, and, and welcome the challenges and, and welcome the new coaching staff. Obviously, they had a special bond. It was kind of like them against the world. Uh, so I do think that that counts for something. But at the end of the day, those are some really talented players that left the program that could have helped Tennessee last year. Uh, again, I'll go back. Eric Gray would have been a great fit for this offense. Henry 12-12 will, will play linebacker for any, anybody's team. Um, but guys like Corvairs Crouch, I, I'm not sure – what they would have looked like in this defense or on this off air. He wouldn't have played offense for sure. All right, we'll move on to Brandon. Brandon wants to know, will Nick Saban cry about Miami recruiting at SEC Media Days? Also, uh, if Bama doesn't land a top five recruiting class this year, do you think Saban calls it quits? Good question. Um, I'm sure Saban will cry about something. I'm sure Saban will be really um, smart about the words he chooses because I don't think he envisioned that blow up happening last time he was in a public setting. And he talked about the state of college football and name, image, and likeness and how it pertains to recruiting and all that. Um, if he, uh, if they, if Alabama doesn't finish with the top five class this year, do I think he quits? Absolutely not. I think that guy will coach football until literally his wife tells him he can't anymore because that is just who he is. He is a, a football coach. All right, we'll move on to the Locked On Balls accounts, and we will go to uh, Blah. Blah wants to know Tennessee is currently hovering at the end or at. Uh, close to a top five class in the country, pretty much every major recruiting services. How likely is that to stay uh, until the end? Um, again, you know, we'll see. There's a lot of movements. It, this is mid-July. Um, National Signing Day is in mid-December, so <laughs> we will have to see. I like what I like Tennessee's makeup. It's extremely well-rounded. Having a five-star quarterback really helps in this class. We'll see exactly where it finishes out in the mid in mid-December. But I do think that Tennessee, with 18 commits, a really really strong class so far. Quality players, still some more players to be added. And, you know, there's always going to be guys that Tennessee's going to be trying to flip to the University of Tennessee, and there'll be new names of their merges. I kind of view Tennessee as having a top 10 class, and I've kind of stayed that course throughout the entire spring and the summer so far. So, top five, I don't know. Top 10, I feel confident in saying that Tennessee will likely uh, be a top 10 team when it's all said and done. Ethan. Meant to submit this for Twitter Tuesday, but uh, forgot due to the long weekend. This is last week. I had questions about Conyer and Eccles. That is Christian Conyer and Jonathan Eccles. Both have some recruiting profiles listing them as an athlete, and some are listing them at, at a position. Could you explain possibly what makes a side designate their positions? I don't mind waiting till next week. Thanks so much. Uh, yeah, pretty much wherever the um, recruiting service views them or projects them at the next level. Um, a lot of time, a lot of recruiting services think Christian Conner can play offense at the next level, which I'm sure he could, but you know, he's going to play defense. So he is a cornerback, uh, but they view him as an athlete. Jonathan Eccles is, is probably accurately listed as an athlete because again, he's 2024 and he's a guy that is a defensive end. You know, that's his home position, but Tennessee wants him to play tight end. He plays wide receiver on offense. So technically he hasn't really truly played tight end as kind of like a home base position. So 
Uh, but Tennessee likes the makeup of him and the projection of him to be a tight end. So um, he's so young, too, so you slap an athlete tag on there. But pretty much whatever the service views them as a projection down the line is kind of what they will list them as uh, kind of moving forward. Good question there, Ethan. And then finally, we'll go and answer a couple that are on Facebook. This one is from Eric. Eric wants to know, if you had to pick a leader for Gibson and Ramel, who would they be? Ricky Gibson? Um, I think that would be Arkansas right now, but Tennessee's certainly still recruiting him very, very hard. Tennessee's recruiting uh, Jordan Matthews and Jakeem Jackson, a cornerback, but need to be recruiting Ricky Gibson just as hard because, again, you need to get two of those three, in my opinion, and the first two kind of have a lean away from Tennessee if I'm being honest about things right now, in my opinion. Uh, Stan Rommel, I would say he's a Tennessee lean. He's keeping things pretty close to the vest, but uh, Michigan State's involved in that one. You have um, Auburn that's involved in that one, a couple other teams that are involved in that one. But I would think that Tennessee is a, a good leader for him right now. But again, he's playing things really, really close to the vest. And then finally, we will conclude here with Matthew. I was wondering, do you think Josh Heupel and staff are, the, are, are that good at recruiting or – are they benefiting from name, image, and likeness and the Spire group? Good question, Matthew. And again, today's era of college football, you got to ask some of those tough questions. I think Josh Heupel is a good recruiter. I think his staff is doing a nice job. He got a bad rep. I mean, the biggest question about Josh Heupel was, can he recruit when Tennessee hired him? Now, you know, it's a long way to go, and you're still only technically in year two of him. So, you know, there's again, there's a lot of answers that'll be, a lot of questions that'll be answered over the next couple of years in that regard. But, I mean, think about it. You know, he helped bring in a lot of quality SEC uh, recruits when he was at Missouri and, you know, coached a lot of them. When he was head coach at UCF, you just aren't going to get the quality of recruit that you would get at a Power 5 program. You're just not. So he's having that chance to now here at Tennessee, and he's benefiting from it. It's about relationships. This staff does a really, really good good job with relationships because not every prospect that Tennessee signs or gets committed right now will have that many of name, image, and likeness opportunities in the future. Just point of it. It's there, um, but not every recruit is going to be benefiting from their name, image, and likeness like some of them will. So a little bit of both, but I would say more so than anything, at the end of the day, it still goes down to relationships, and I think that this staff is doing a really, really good job in that regard. All right, that's going to do it here for this edition of Twitter Tuesday. Thank you guys so much for getting in your questions, your comments at uh, underscore Kaner and at Locked on Balls. We'll come back and tie a bow on this episode with a little starter spotlight talking Jalen McCullough here in just one moment. But BetOnline.net, your source for all your sports betting needs and sports information. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews and news, including this year's NHL playoffs and Major League Baseball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, reality television, and, of course, scores. And BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. It's the easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, golf, and the PGA, and Live Golf. Head on over to the website today or use your mobile device. Learn about all the latest trends and all the action. BetOnline.net, it is where the game starts. Time to wrap things up here on a Tuesday, guys. Appreciate you for making Longtown Balls your first listen and for participating in the mailbag episodes like you guys do each and every week. All right, let's get back into Starter Spotlight. We'll make this short and sweet because we had tons of uh, uh, questions to get into from earlier in the show. Don't want to keep you guys much past 30 minutes. That's the goal each and every day. Jalen McCullough, entering his true senior season, came on and uh, as a freshman in 2019 and ended up starting the back half of the season. He finished with 33 tackles, three TFLs, one sack, 
and uh, took a step up in 2020 as a sophomore, a true starter, 43 tackles, two TFLs, two and a half TFLs. And then in 2021, his numbers continued to climb up there, 49 tackles, three and a half TFLs, three interceptions. Remember, he had a cast on his hand and had three interceptions, but not a very great year in as a junior in 2021. What I mean by that, again, it's not everything, but it's something. Pro football focus grades. Jayla McCullough was the one, two, three, fourth lowest defensive player graded for Tennessee in 2021. Now, one of those guys, Deshaun Rucker, was a backup. Only had 38 snaps on the season. One of those guys is Valus Jones Jr., probably on interceptions where he lists three defensive reps. So he doesn't really count. So technically, you know, Jalen McCullough and Aaron Beasley are the two lowest graded players in Tennessee's entire defense in terms of the grades for pro football focus. In 2021, Jalen McCullough graded out at a 49.3%. That is easily, easily well below a replaceable grade, okay? Jalen McCullough, if you look at, you know, kind of what he's done, you know, well, what he struggles to do, tackling in space is not very good. Uh, tackling in space, he finished with really a 28.3% average on the season, which is just not good, not at all good. His pass rush was a 62.7, which wasn't, you know, great. Rush defense was 55.3, which is fine. Coverage skills is a 45.2. Um, you know, he, in terms of having some of his better games, he played really, really well against Tennessee Tech, graded out at an 80.5. That was the high mark on the season for him, graded out as 70.6 against South Alabama. Again, those are two teams that he should ball out against. 68.1% in the season opener against Bowling Green. Again, lesser competition, but I continue to point you in the direction of, you know, Florida, 55.1 was his grade per pro football focus. Missouri, where Tennessee dominated, 37.1% per pro football focus. South Carolina, 63%, which is really not all that bad. Ole Miss, 51.7, which is bad. Alabama, 38.1, which is bad. Kentucky, 66.1, that's not horrible. Georgia, 60, all things considered, that's not bad at all, to be completely honest with you. South Alabama, 70.6, like I said. Vanderbilt, 49.4, and Purdue, 48.0. Those were his defensive averages on the grading scale of pro football focus. Uh, something he really, really struggled with was tackling in space and coverage skills. Uh, Tennessee's safeties were a step or two, to be honest with you, slow. Um, you let guys run behind them a lot of times, missing tackles in open space, struggling in man-to-man coverage. Tennessee didn't have quality depth behind these safeties to really push them, and so that's something you're hoping that there's an answer to this year. I still think Jalen McCullough and Trayvon Flowers will be your starter, starting safeties uh, come game one, and they'll probably be your starting safeties all year long, but do you have quality guys behind them like a Christian Charles, like an Andre Turrentine, like maybe a Wesley Walker, like Tamiri McDonald, some of these guys that can actually push them to where, hey, if you're not getting the job done, you're going to have to come out and we're going to have to put somebody else in there. You sort of see that just a little bit last year, but then Christian Charles got hurt and missed pretty much the entire season after that or up until the last little bit um, of the year. So it was real unfortunate in that regard. But Jalen McCullough, he's looking slummer. Um, reports are that he's had the best offseason that he's ever had. He's taking a step up in terms of leadership. He did have a good spring. We'll see if all those things can help contribute to better play on the field. I would say he's right around about 200 pounds right now, still sitting at about six foot. He's he's got the good size that you want him to, you know, kind of play with, um, in, in terms of you know, kind of where you want him to be. But overall, it's just it, it, it's not been the greatest, you know, great. It's not been the greatest, uh, you know, year for him back in 2021 
in terms of kind of what he did. So, and and you look at his grades here. Um, they they've gone down every single year. Now, in 2019, where he started only half the season per Pro Football Focus, he graded out at 71.2, which is really solid. In 2020, he graded out at 65.0, which you need to get up a little bit, but that's considered a backup player. And then it just all hit the fan in 2021 when he graded out at 49.3. I think a lot of that also has to has to do with getting used to being on the field for so much. Remember, playing against playing complimentary football to a Josh Heupel offense I mean you're playing over 100 snaps a game sometimes. Remember against Kentucky. Remember against uh, Kentucky. Remember against Ole Miss. Remember against Alabama. I mean Tennessee logged tons and tons of defensive snaps. Alabama or Ole Miss. I believe Tennessee was on the field uh, for 102 snaps. Kentucky was the other one. Take Alabama out, Kentucky. Tennessee was on the field for, I think, 102 snaps against Ole Miss. Kentucky, I want to say 97. Um, It's tough. I get it. But you've got to have better results. So, you know, what Jalen McCullough does well, he's physical. What Jalen McCullough does well, he's smart. He's where he needs to be. Can Jalen McCullough, maybe this is just an easy comparison because you saw it last year with Theo Jackson, but can you take the step off the field this year to where you're going to be better on the field. We'll have to see. But ultimately, you've got to get better play, and the stats and the grades, they back it up. And I think Tennessee's in a position now to where you're hoping that if that production is kind of slacking like it was at points in times last year, that you have guys that can step up and take over and kind of spell these guys uh, because Willie Martinez is only going to play guys that he trusts. And last year, he trusts Theo Jackson, and he, he trusts Theo Jackson, obviously, but he trusts Trayvon Flowers, and he trusts Jalen McCullough, he didn't trust many other people, and so that's the reason why they played so much. But for Tennessee to take a step defensively, they've got to have more consistent and better play from their two safeties, Jalen McCullough and Trayvon Flowers. And we'll talk Trayvon Flowers tomorrow, but Jalen McCullough, a very, very bad year in 2021. Can he bounce back as a true senior? He still has aspirations to play in the NFL. I'm sure he does. We will find out, and Tennessee's defense as a whole doesn't necessarily depend on that one player, but that does depend on you've got to get better in the back end, and if Jalen McCullough gets better, it will certainly help in that regard. All right, that's going to do it here for this episode of Locked on Balls. Thank you so much for your Twitter Tuesday questions and for hanging out with me here today. We'll continue on with the secondary tomorrow, talk Trayvon Flowers, and discuss whatever else is on the docket. We'll catch up with Josh Ward as well and whatever the big story is for Tennessee Athletics on a Wednesday. So that's coming up on tomorrow's Lockdown Balls. Get more on the SEC by making Lockdown SEC your second listen. Every single day, host Chris Gordy and local experts on Lockdown take you across the SEC in 30 minutes. Make Lockdown SEC your second listen right behind Lockdown Balls, which is your first listen each and every day. Guys, thanks so much for hanging out with me. We'll do it again tomorrow. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, follow on YouTube, subscribe there. Uh, Leave me a five-star review and um, all that on Apple Podcasts. Anything to help the algorithms, really, really do appreciate it. We'll do it again tomorrow. Enjoy the rest of your Tuesday, everybody.